especially on Christmas Eve, which is why Christmas morning is the only right time to open gifts. But what are we waiting for? Would you open your Bibles if you have them or your phones? Turn off Facebook and Instagram and TikTok. No TikTok shows right now. I'm going to keep this fairly short. But I want to read a passage from the book of Second Peter. I can't remember the last time I preached out of Second Peter. Uh, it's a little tiny book toward the end. It gets toward Revelation. If you see Revelation or you see like dictionaries, go the other direction, go left and head back just a little ways. Um, it goes uh, first to second John and then Revelation. So it's right before that. But Second Peter, little tiny book, just three chapters written by the Apostle Peter, the very same guy that walked on water with Jesus but sank, the same guy that denied Jesus three times when he was about to be crucified, the same, Jesus, the same Peter that uh, he declared Jesus was the Son of God and then turned against him. I mean, this is, a, this is a guy that's kind of all over the place. He's just like all of us, right? We're up and down in our spiritual life, and that was Peter. And here he is now, years later, as in old age, writing to the church, and I'm going to read a, a good chunk of this, and then uh, we're going to come back through it. So I'm going to read 1 Peter chapter 3, um, and we're going to be looking at roughly 1 through 13. I'm going to skip some parts. So this now, beloved, the second letter I am writing to you, in them I am writing to arouse your sincere intention by reminding you that you should remember the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior spoken through your apostles. First of all, you must understand this, that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and indulging their own lusts, and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since our ancestors died, all things continued as they were from the beginning of creation. I'm going to skip down to verse 8. But do not ignore this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like one day. The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some, some think of slowness, but is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away and with a loud noise, and the elements will be dissolved with fire, and the earth and everything in it that is done on it will be disclosed. Since all of these things are to be dissolved, they're going to pass away. In this way, what sort of persons ought you to be in leading lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming day of God, because of which the heavens will be set ablaze and dissolved and the elements will melt with fire. But in accordance with his promise, we wait for new heavens and new earth with righteousness, where righteousness is at home. So we can all, I think, agree on this one thing. Like theology, we can get you know up in arms about like what we think about the end times, what we think about when Jesus is coming back, what things are going. We can we can argue those things. We can argue our politics, right? Left, right, center. How who should be president? Who shouldn't be president? Uh, how we should handle the poor? How we should handle refugees? We can have all sorts of different ideas on this, but I think we can all agree on this one thing: things are not as they should be, right? We can all agree on that. Things are not as they should be. We all know that like, everything seems to be down here. And we, we see war, we see famine, we see divorce, we see pain, we see suffering, we see relational breaks, we see uh, sicknesses, we see little children with cancer, we see you know, refugees at the border who are fleeing horrible, horrible situations. We can read the news just once and we go, yeah, this is not how things are supposed to be. And even atheists, people who do not believe in God say, this is not how things ought to be. 
This is why we get in all of our political fights. This is why we have Republicans and Democrats who have different ideas on how to change things. Because we all have an idea that things should be up here. Somewhere up here is better, right? Better than what we see, better than how we feel, better than the, the tricky knee that you might have or the, the ailing kidney or the COVID virus or what, you know, all of these things that we experience that are hard. It's not as they should be. And we all have these ways of fixing it, to, to bridge the gap between as things are and as things should be. Ways in which we can work our politics, work our policies, give our money, uh, help our neighbors, take care of our bodies by exercising, taking vitamins, whatever it happens to be. These are the methods we use to bridge that gap between as things are and as things should be. But the problem is, is every effort that we make as humans, as political structures, as nations, as armies, whatever it happens to be to bridge that gap, it's, it's only temporary. Because it's been this way since the beginning of time, right? Since, since Adam fell, since sin entered the world, since things became broken, the train wreck has continued, and, and it's just like that song that never ends. It goes on and on, my friend. Somebody started singing it, not knowing what it was, but now they'll free, be forever singing it, just because it's the song that never ends. I, I could keep going. And it just keeps happening. It's the context in which Advent is dropped, this season of waiting for God to come. And it's in this context that we learn to wait. This is now, beloved, the second letter I'm writing to you, verse 1. And in them I'm trying to arouse your sincere intention that you would be intentional about how you live by reminding you that you should remember the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets and by the commandment of the Lord and Savior spoken through your apostles. We wait during the Advent season. We wait as Christians because we remember. We remember what God has done. Now, I would tell you that memory is not my strong suit. <laughs> if you work with me, you know that this is true. Amen, Julie? I don't know where there you are. She's like, yes, you're right. Memory is not. Sometimes I could be standing and talking to you and maybe have known you for 10 or 11 or 12 or 13 or 25 years and I look at you, and if I have a bl blank look on my face, it's because I'm trying to remember your name. Okay? I did this to Heidi last week. Okay? I'm like, I wanted to ask her a question and get her attention, and I'm just staring at her. She's like, why are you staring at me? Like, I don't want to tell you. <laughs> Memory is not my strong suit. It, it's like, I, I don't know, maybe it's analog or something in there, and something's wrong, and it skips every now and then, and I forget little things. But memory is key to waiting. We wait because we remember. We remember that there is a history of this world that isn't just the history of wars and the history of nations, but there is a history of God at work in the world. And that is what this, this book is. It's not just a history book, it's more. It's God's word straight to us. But it is all a, it's also a memory of all the things that God has done in the past. Yesterday, as we were preparing for the bazaar here, there was a young college guy who was here to help out. It was really awesome. We sat down. And I, it was really bizarre, actually. I came out into the lobby, and he's sitting reading one of the books off of our shelf, Biblical Womanhood of all books, okay? Uh, if you haven't read Biblical Womanhood, you need to read that book. It's really good. But he's reading it, and, like, and it started a conversation. And a part of what we talked about was this big arc picture of God's history through Scripture, and it looks kind of like this, is, is that 
we wait and we remember that God first was God out there, that God created the heavens and the earth and he just spoke it into existence. But he didn't remain out there and aloof from all of us, which is where many of the deists of our day and uh, agnostics live, that God is not knowable. God is not accessible. He's just out there. He may have created all the things, but he, he just stayed away from it. And this is where the story of God begins. But then God comes among us. And that's what we see in the Exodus, in, in, in the book of Exodus, when God rescues the people of Israel out of slavery, a pillar of fire, a cloud at, you know, in, the, in the day, and a pillar of fire at night moving amongst the people, moving into a temple, a tent that was in the center of the people, God among us. But things happen. People turn away from God. People leave God. And so God leaves. But he doesn't stay gone forever. About 400 years, there's just silence and then God comes and is Emmanuel, God with us. So God out there, God among us, now God with us, walking alongside of us, knowing our pain, understanding our suffering. This is the story of Jesus. I'm just reminding you guys of what you already know, very largely. So now we got Jesus, God with us, walking, but he's not. He, he's, still, he's there, and he's doing things. But it's just still this one solitary, singular point at which God exists in the world. So Jesus dies on a cross, comes back to life, is ascended into heaven uh, weeks and weeks later. But before he goes, he says, wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to send another. So that's the next step in that history, that God comes down in spirit and fills his people. They were empty, kenosis, and then they were filled, pleurosis, with the presence of God. And now we have God in us. So God out there, God among us, God with us, to now God in us. And he says, wait, wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit. Every time God said he made a promise along the way, he came and fulfilled it. Every time he made a promise of a savior, it, it happened. When God said he would rescue his people, he did. Over and over and over, God comes, makes promises, and then fulfills those promises. And then the next stage happens. And we are in this part of the story now where we, the people of God, are filled with God. God in us together. And we await the promise of things to come. Rather than waiting for us to fix things, God bridges the gap by coming into us and begins to change things. We wait in hope because we believe that God will fulfill his promises as he's done in the past. First of all, you must understand this, verses three through four, that in the last days, scoffers will come scoffing, which makes sense that scoffers would scoff, right? Haters are going to hate, 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 hate. Scoffers are going to scoff, 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 whatever. Um, see, again, aging myself. I was singing songs from 90s earlier. Now I'm doing haters going to hate. I don't know. The college students are looking at me going, what is wrong with you? Anyway, bow back to the Bible. So the scoffers will come and scoffing and indulging their own lusts. They're not waiting for anything. They're just filling themselves up. And they're saying, where's... Where is the promise of his coming? It's a weird way of saying, didn't your God promise that he was coming back? It's now been over 2,000 years since he left. Where is he? For ever since our ancestors died, and they go even further, our ancestors, our, our fathers, our grandfathers, our great grandfathers, these are people all believed this stuff, and nothing has changed. It's exactly the same as it's been from creation. Now, in our shifting culture, our shifting world, there are some points of theology that are a little bit distasteful to talk about. And I think one of them actually is the second coming of Jesus. 
And I think it's because of that very reason that it's been 2,000 years since Jesus left, roughly, saying, I am going to come back. And for 2,000 years, Christians throughout history have been gathering in small gatherings like this and waiting in hope of his return. And what we're waiting for is that ultimate bridging of the gap from what things are to what things ought to be, that God is going to make things right. And we're sitting and we're waiting. And I think at this point in history, with all of our science, with all of our knowledge, people have begun to say, that can't be true. Like, like, that, it's just, it's nuts. You've been waiting this long. How, how is it that you're holding on to this? But for believers in Christ, this is what we do. We wait in hope knowing that God fulfills his promises. So we have this one big promise that's hanging out there. But there's a thousand other little promises that happen before that big promise. And God is fulfilling each one of those to each of us. If you've ever experienced God fulfilling a promise to you in some way, did you raise your hand? Yeah. Yeah. And if you haven't yet, hold on. Because <laughs> God is coming. He fulfills every promise. It does seem crazy to believe that after 2,000 years, Jesus might return. It seems like he would have done it by now. And if I was in charge of things, he would have. Okay, we would have skipped World War II and whatever wars we have had between them. We would have skipped the death of thousands of babies. We would have skipped the hall. I mean, there's so many things that I would have skipped, but God, God is patient and he is waiting. The major part of our scripture readings around this time of year from the prophets. That's, that's the books of like Daniel, Ezekiel, Isaiah, and the Old Testament. And it, they were all written at this time of exile. And it was very much like what we see in Ukraine today. Things couldn't get much worse for the people of Israel. They had no home. There was thousands of refugees who had run and were scattering across the world. And then those that didn't scatter were being taken prisoner. In Ukraine, we see the same things. That families have been separated. Chil parents putting children on trains to go to other countries so they can stay and fight. We see parents, uh, uh, we see parents going and fighting and dying. So now there's a, a glut of orphans. It's a weird way to say that. But there's just all these orphans going on all over Europe now. And all over the globe, people are taking refuge. In Ireland, there's hundreds of thousands of Ukrainian civilians now looking for work, trying to find a way to, to provide for their families. And they're separated by the globe. And then many others have been taken prisoner and moved to work camps in Siberia and the farthest flung parts of Russia. So this, this context, you guys can understand, because you've seen it in the news, probably what it was like for the Israelites to lose it all. And in the midst of that, God is sending people, prophets, to remind them to make some promises. He's like, look, this looks bleak, but it's all going to come right in the end. This looks bad and it's hard, but I am making all things new. I am restoring things. I am, I am healing things. And I am going to send a savior. Where's myself at? Here I am. <laughs> I am going to send a savior to rescue them. And Christmas day is the day that we remember that God made that promise. And that God fulfilled that promise in Jesus Christ by sending a Savior, not just to heal the wounds of a nation, but to heal the wounds of a world, all of us. And it was just one of many promises. We wait patiently because God is patient with us. But do not ignore this one fact, verses 8 and 9. Do not ignore this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years and a thousand years are like one day. I mean, 
God doesn't see time the way we see time. He can enter it at any point in history, and he can in, in, intervene in individuals' lives and in history, and he doesn't see it the same way we do. And the Lord is not slow about his promises. As some think about slowness. We're like, oh, come on. Christmas can't get here fast enough. I want to open those gifts. This is taking forever. When you're a child, time slows down around Christmas. Have you noticed that? Like the two weeks before Christmas break were the longest weeks of your life. And then you had those few days before Christmas, and those were even longer. Like, when will this day be over? Can I go to bed yet? And then you don't want to get it. You just want to sleep it all off. So you wake up, and it's Christmas. We get impatient. We want it to hurry along. God's patience is reflected in just how long he has waited to fulfill every promise. And it's not that he is just waiting till things are right, but he is waiting that we would all come to him. He's giving us every opportunity, every chance to turn our hearts and our minds and our attentions and our intentions to God and to love him with our whole heart and our whole mind. It's not like waiting for your latte at roost or your pizza at porch light. I get impatient. I get hangry. I get hungry. God is not bound by these things in the same way, so he is patient. And he says, look, the best is yet to come, so wait with me. And finally, we don't wait just sitting here twiddling our thumbs. You ever twiddled your thumbs? It's hard to do and hold a microphone. Some of you are doing that right now. I can't believe he's still talking. I'm just twiddling my thumbs. I kind of like twiddling my thumbs. It feels really good, but it doesn't accomplish anything in life, right? It doesn't get me anywhere. If I was to stick this in the water, it would not move the boat anywhere, right? It's not going to work as an engine or anything. We don't just twiddling our thumbs. I find myself. I just lost. There we go. I got this front back thing going on, and so I get lost in my notes. When waiting gets hard, we're not just twiddling our thumbs, Advent is about joining God in fulfilling his promises. God has given us the ability to see, first and foremost, that things are not the way they ought to be. There not, should not be people in northern Thailand, in the mountains, who are rejected by all the nations around them in such a way they just think that they're dirty, that they're the unwashed masses, that they are poor and will do nothing good for us. They are, they're just second-class citizens. The world shouldn't be like that. So God invites us to give and to send missionaries and to send workers to go and say, hey, people on the other side of the world want you to know that you are not alone, that you are loved, and that God loves you. God invites us to join him in his work here in the world as he bridges the gap bit by bit, slowly, until the day of his returning at which it's all wiped clean and we start over fresh and we get a new beginning and things will be as they ought to be. This is what waiting at Christmas is all about. That's page two. I wanted to close with a, a, uh, two things. First of all, we had three projects we wanted to do this Christmas. First was to tithe our building and do this bizarre thing and, and serve the city. Second was to give to Chris Curry. The third thing is we have a group of people here in Pullman who are often go unseen. And in fact, not just go unseen, if we talk about the world is not as it should be, these are the people that have to deal with it first and foremost. They are our frontline folks that are facing the car wrecks, they're facing the fights, they're facing the drug addictions, they're facing uh, unexpected deaths. It's our police and fire department. 
And they are showing up and when humans are at their very worst, when things are looking the bleakest, when humans are really ugly. God is inviting us to show these people that see just the worst in the world, that the world isn't all that way. That there are some of us that see them and care and appreciate them. Now, it's a small gesture to give a gift and to write a card, which is what we're going to do. We're going to give each police officer and each firefighter in this town, about 100 people, a card and a gift from our church, just saying, hey, we really appreciate you. Times have been tough, especially for police officers. They don't have the best face right now because sometimes police officers are the very worst of humanity. Sometimes. And sometimes firefighters are too. And sometimes so are you, right? That's all of us. We're humans. But we know that they're stepping into the worst of things, and we want them to know that they are seen. And we want to bridge that gap a little bit, just with some appreciation and love and care and prayer. So we are going to, at the end of this, write some cards. I have on the backspace 120 cards. We need 100, which means I need about two from each of you. (laughs) Small task, right? Just to write two cards to say, we appreciate you. Thank you. May you know during this season, just at some point, may you really find out what it's all about. That's the Charlie Brown Christmas, right? It's what it's all about, Charlie Brown. It's not about the Christmas tree and lights. It's about Jesus. I'm just going to say a prayer over those cards and write them out. We've got tables set up, and we're just going to go back there and do that and let the kids continue practicing because you want to see it really good next week, right? You don't want to see a halfway show. So we're going to take our time, and we've got some time, and we're going to do that. And I want to close, actually, with a prayer. It's a prayer of waiting and a prayer of longing that God would come. It's from a poet. Um, His name is Malcolm. It's French. I can't do French. I can do all sorts of other accents, but I cannot do French very well. Malcolm Guit. And uh, this is what he had to say. Let's take a moment of silence just to wait. And then I'll just pray this prayer of longing. And I invite you to come to the back and express your love for God and cards bridge that gap just a little bit as we wait for our Savior. O Emmanuel, O come, O come, and be our God with us, our long-sought witness for a world without. O sacred seed, O hidden spring of light, come to us, wisdom, Come, unspoken name, come root and key and king and holy flame. O quickened little wick, so tightly curled, be unfolded with us into time and place. Unfold for us the mystery of your grace and make a womb of all this wounded world. O heart of heaven beating in the earth, O tiny hope within our hopelessness, come to be born to bear us to our second birth, to touch a dying world with new-made hands and make these rags of time our swaddling bands. Jesus, I pray that you would come to this world and come in us as we wait for Christmas to remember your coming, as we wait for your second coming, as we wait for you to fulfill every good and perfect promise along the way. May our hands be used, God, for your work and for your will. In Jesus' name, amen.